Thanks for joining us at the Vine Church. We are one church with two locations reaching around the world with our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. And you can partner with us in that by sharing this video or by clicking the Give link below. For now, prepare your hearts for incredible worship and an inspiring message. You have come, we have Your love so great, your love so great, Jesus in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years, still I'll be seeing. Oh, I 
So one of the things that excites me about this series that we're in called The Church is the fact that uh, we're learning that our, our ideas of what the church is supposed to be may not line up with what Jesus' ideas of what the church is supposed to be. Like for last, so last week we learned that the, the church is supposed to be this unmovable and unstoppable movement, not an immovable monument. And, and today we're going to learn that 
The church can still be this unstoppable movement if we'll realize the church isn't about a building. It's about a body. And I know that may sound kind of weird to some of you, but I remember growing up in church, and what I mean by that is literally it felt like I grew up in church because my parents would take my brother and I to just about every kids and student event that our church put on, right? And I remember I was in second grade, uh, and it was a Sunday morning at our home church in Carrollton, Georgia, and, and it was the beginning of the service, and our choir began to sing this old hymn, Victory in Jesus. And I can't explain it. I don't know what happened, but before the service even started, I got up and I walked down to have a conversation with our pastor because I gave my life to Christ that morning. And, and I couldn't explain it. Again, second grade, I was in second grade, but I, I remember thinking to myself, the church is going to play a huge role in my walk with the Lord. But even after surrendering my life to Christ, I still struggle with uh, the idea of church being a place I was supposed to go and not a person that I was supposed to be. And, and we all can get trapped into that mindset if we're not careful, right? We, we can block out times during the week to go, go to the places we need to go and do the things that we need to do and, and just try to lump church into there somewhere, right? Students, you may be familiar with this, right? Think about what you've got coming up this week. It's probably school, stuff like school, um, homework, practices, clubs, church, and, and for some of you, maybe a date. And there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing bad about those things, except one of those things does not belong in that list. You see, church shouldn't be just a place we go or a thing that we do. And adults, we struggle with this as well, because we'll get up tomorrow morning and we'll get ready for work, and we'll, if we've got kids, we'll get our kids ready for school and get our kids out the door. We'll go to work. We'll work all day. We'll come home. We'll, 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 we'll get our activities done, whatever activities those, those may be. We'll get our kids, get them to their activities, their practices, their rehearsals, whatever it is, and then we'll come, come back home. We'll eat dinner, and if we're honest, we'll probably watch a couple TV shows, and then we'll probably go to bed. And that's a typical work week. And then we wake up on Saturday morning and we start thinking about all the things we've got to get done around the house or we spend all day at the ball fields and we come home and we go to bed and then Sunday morning rolls around. That alarm clock goes off. Listen, I get it. I know what it feels like to kind of want to roll over and cut that thing off and just, man, it would feel so good to sleep in this morning. Right? Right? And if you're like me, I'll just confess this to you. If you're like me, there's been moments when, when you're like, God, listen, I promise I'll go next week. I was just there, but I promise I'll go next week. But here's the problem with that. When we begin viewing the church as a place we'll get to when we can, we've distorted what the church is. We've distorted what the church is. The church that Jesus built is not a building. It's a living, breathing body with living parts. Okay? And we're going to see that this morning as we dive into our scripture. It will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible or Bible app, you can go there now. If you don't have a Bible or Bible app, no worries. The words will be on the, uh, scriptures will be on the screens in just a few moments. And if you don't have a Bible, you don't have your own personal copy of the Bible, just want to encourage you, once the service is over, if you go out into our lobby area on the countertops, there are free copies of the Bible. Take the, take, get one and take one home with you, because what we know is the Word of God can change your life forever for the better. Amen? All right. So as 
As you're turning there, I just kind of remind you of the origins of the church in Corinth. Uh, there was this guy named Paul. He was a Jewish guy named Paul that he used to be a hater of Christians, a persecutor of Christians, until he had an encounter with Jesus, and he began to follow Jesus at that point. He became a Christian. And, and, uh, he, and he came to the city of Corinth, and he planted, pre- preached the gospel and planted a church. He planted the church in, in ooh, sorry, planted a church, and the church was born in the city of Corinth. And I've got a map up here that I want to just kind of show you guys. Uh, the, the city of Corinth is about 40 miles west, southwest of Athens, and it's positioned uniquely because here's the thing. It's positioned in a way where, where um, boats would come and dock near Corinth as they uh, traded goods back and forth between Asia and Rome. And in doing so, the sailors and travelers brought in a wide variety of religions into the, into the city, uh, so much so that modern archaeologists say that they've uncovered and discovered about, tw- about two dozen different types of religions that are, t- that are tied to Greek and Egyptian religions. And, and Paul arrived in Corinth. He'd already established the churches in Philippi and Thessalonica. And Paul didn't pop into the city, preach the gospel, plant a church, and then turn around and leave a few days later. That's not what Paul did. Paul actually hung out in the city of Corinth for about a year and a half, working as a tent maker in the city as he planted the church and got the church started. And eventually, Paul ended up having to move to um, a different city to begin the process of planting another church. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't just leave the Corinthian church hanging, Right? He didn't just forget about them. He, he wrote them letters, wrote letters back to them, encouraging them, empowering them, and equipping them to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ by making disciples. And that is what we're jumping into this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 12. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit... We are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And this is such a good passage because Paul is speaking to a church about the church. And he's explaining how that we're all baptized into one body. We're all part of one body. He explains that what brought them together as one body was their baptism. And I get asked sometimes um, whether or not, uh, since, since baptism doesn't really save us, whether or not it's, it, it, it's important, it's if, if it matters. And, and I'll tell them, no, baptism doesn't save us, but it's grace through faith in Jesus that saves us. But then they'll come and they'll say things like, well, how does that, how does that, how does it work for us? And what you need to understand is baptism isn't needed to be saved. And we know that by looking at Scripture because Jesus, when he was hanging on a cross, there were two criminals standing, uh, hanging on the crosses beside, beside him. One of them looked at him and said, Jesus, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus told him, today you will be in paradise. And so the, we know that Jesus didn't take him down. He didn't get baptized and then put him back up. And we know that Jesus isn't a liar, right? And so you don't necessarily have to be baptized to be saved because that man walked into heaven with Jesus that day. Does that mean baptism isn't a big deal? Uh, no, it's, it's a huge deal because baptism is what brings a person into the body of Christ, right? And initiates this long, lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus. Jesus was baptized. Jesus told his followers and commanded them to baptize others too. Why? Because it's through our baptism that we're made into one body. 
right? And this is true for every believer in this room and for every believer around the world. No matter how many believers that is, and no matter, no matter how different they are, we are all part of one body and part of one baptism. And this was a huge deal because what Paul was saying is that individual differences like skin color and social status and education level and, and those things make no difference in the body of Christ. That means that not only a person's past does it, make, does it matter, but neither does their present status matter either. It didn't matter whether you were poor or rich or young or old or male or female, or slave or master, you were still part of the body. You were baptized with one baptism into the same body. And this has huge implications for the church today. This is how. Everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Now everyone, say everyone. everyone. Okay. Okay, there we go. I was waiting for it. I knew somebody was going to do it. Everyone is welcome into the church. Everyone is welcome into the church. It doesn't matter skin color. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It's, it's just everyone is welcome into the church. And here's the thing, too. It also means, it also means that we're not in competition with any other churches. They are part of the same body that we're a part of. I love this about our staff prayer on Tuesday mornings. And by the way, if you have a slot open between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m., you're more than welcome to come and pray with us as a staff. We meet right in here. One of the things I love about our staff prayer is we'll spend some time praying for other churches that hold high the name of Christ. Because what we understand is they have a unique gift set. They have a unique talent, unique experiences that are going to uniquely meet those people in their community that make a unique contribution to the world. And Paul goes on to explain that next when we hit verse 14. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Guys, this is beautiful. Because what Paul's explaining is that we are, <laughs> we are all united, but yet unique. We're all united, but yet unique. And I, see, I think sometimes in Christian world, we can look at the word united and think that means uniform. That we're all supposed to look the same, talk the same, walk the same, dress the same, have the same hairstyle. Where are my people at? <laughs> right? But yet, we're all united, but yet unique, but it doesn't mean we're all the same. It doesn't mean we're all uniform, right? What makes the church so strong is that we're all connected, but yet so diverse with skills, talents, experiences. Our united uniqueness is what makes us better together. But that can be tough for us to grab hold of sometimes. Because so often, we, 
we get caught up in either looking down on ourselves or looking down on others. And Paul addresses both of these things. If you're taking notes this morning, uh, you might definitely want to write this one down uh, because this is about you. Don't look down on yourself. Don't look down on yourself. And Paul addresses uh, people who look down on themselves in verses 15 through 18. He does it in kind of a funny way, right? He, 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 he talks about how the foot was trying to quit being a part of the body because it wanted to be a hand or the eye was trying to be a part of the, the ear was trying to be a part of the, didn't want to be a part of the body because it wanted to be an eye. And I hear this, and we think this is funny, and I laugh at it a lot of times, but I hear this a lot from people in the church. Right? I hear them say things like, listen, it's the pastors, it's the worship leaders, it's the church staff that matter in the church. Right? And I hear them say things like, listen, if, 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 I were even, if I were just to leave the church, it wouldn't make a difference at all. And listen, I, I don't say this a lot from platform, but I'm going to say this. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because like, they'll sit there and they'll say things like, well, Listen, if I, if I serve and if I'm a part of the, the hospitality team or the parking lot team, like, it, it really doesn't make that big of a difference. And the truth is, no, it makes a difference because everyone has a role to play. And that's why we encourage everyone here at the Vine Church to serve, right? And it's not because we need you to serve. It's because Christ calls you to serve, right? Jesus, if we're in Christ and Christ is us, we're called to, to live a life modeled after Christ and he served, and so we should serve too. But I hear people tell me, you know, if I, if I work in the parking lot or if I, I work in the hospitality team, it doesn't make that big a difference. That's, that, that, that's, that's straight up a lie. Do you know what the, the mission statement of our hospitality team is? It's to help people encounter and experience the love of Christ before they ever hear about the love of Christ from stage. And so I would say that one of the most important roles here at the Vine Church and in the church is the parking lot greeters and hospitality team. And I know this because every first time guest gets an email from us that has a survey attached to it where we can get feedback on what their experience was like. And that it's always more about being greeted and warmly greeted in the parking lot or in the lobby area, cafe area before it's ever talking about music and message. Listen to the statistic. Studies indicate that a first-time guest will make a decision about whether to return to a church in the first three minutes of being there. The first three minutes. And that's typically way before the music starts and way before the message starts. And you know why they make that decision so fast? Because it only takes them three minutes to recognize whether they're accepted or not. And if they don't feel accepted, there's not a chance they're going to come back. Because, see, people can overlook the preaching. And I'm very thankful that you can overlook the preaching. Andrew and I were talking about that this week. We're very thankful you can overlook the preaching. But people can overlook the preaching if they're surrounded by people who feel, who feel like they're being supported and they're supporting them and loving them. And everyone can support and love people. Everyone has that role to play. And there's not a role that's more important than any other. But Paul also knew that some of the people in the Corinthian church wouldn't just struggle with looking down on themselves, but they would struggle with looking down on others. So if you're taking notes this morning, you might want to write that down. Don't look down on others. 
Don't look down on others. And he addresses this in verse, starting in verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are our more presentable parts do not require. See, Paul's explaining that the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't kick the feet out of the body, right? Here's why. Because Paul wants to be clear. The more visible in the body doesn't mean more valuable in the body. And I didn't have that as part of the slides at the first service, but I thought about it and then I had a great production team, Taylor back there, put it on a slide for us just so you can have it. Maybe. There we go. There we go. The more visible on the body doesn't mean more valuable in the body. And here's the thing. As Christians, we get this twisted all the time. We get confused about this all the time, right? Uh, We think that because we give or we teach or we sing the best that we are the best. And we can have this tendency to kind of elevate themselves and lower others because we believe that the more visible we are, the more valuable we are. And that's not true. It's not true. Um, Put the picture up of the Smith sisters. These are the Smith sisters. And I want to tell you their story this morning. Beginning in November of 1949, two sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith, 84 and 82 years old, Peggy completely blind, and Christine, bent over with arthritis, were burdened due to the depressed spiritual state in their village church. They sensed the Lord speaking in the words of Isaiah 44.3, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. This led them to pray in their small cottage two or three nights per week. From 10 p.m. till 3 a.m. 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., Three nights a week. Look, if you're looking for personal revival in your life, if we're looking for revival in the church, we've got to put in some work in prayer. After several weeks of praying like this, Peggy had a vision of her church being crowded with young people and an unknown minister preaching from the pulpit. Peggy then sent for their minister, Reverend James Murray McKay, She told him they sensed the Lord was going to send a revival that he must get his church leaders ready and spend every Tuesday and Friday night in prayer while they would simultaneously be praying in their cottage. McKay respected the sister's spiritual judgment and the call to pray was made. After weeks of prayer, Duncan Campbell came and led what was scheduled to be a 10-day revival. It turned into so much more. It turned into an island-changing revival where the Spirit of God moved in mighty ways. Over the course of five weeks, it is estimated that 20,000 people placed their trust in God and became followers of Christ. And you know what I love about this story is the preacher at the center of the revival, Duncan Campbell, said that he didn't bring revival with him to the islands. 
It was already there because of the faith of those two sisters. See, they may not have been the most visible, but they definitely were just as valuable. So in this passage, Paul gives us two things not to do. He says, don't look down on yourself and don't look down on others. But he also gives us one thing to do. And that's to care for and celebrate others. To care for and celebrate others. Let's look at verse 24. It says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one of another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. As I was reading and praying through this scripture, I felt like the Lord asked me a question. Gus, do you know what breaks my heart? And so I want to ask you the same question. Do you know what breaks the heart of God? And there's tons of things that we do that break his heart, right? But in reference to this scripture, what breaks the heart of God is when the body of Christ tears each other apart. They tear each other apart. Because see, and it's over some of the craziest things like baptism. Is it full immersion? Or is it a little bit of sprinkle? Or I like modern day worship songs. I prefer hymns. And guys, there's nothing wrong with preferences or differences unless it causes division. Because see, those things in reality aren't about Jesus being crucified. Those things are not about Jesus being resurrected. And those things have nothing to do with people coming into full relationship with their creator, their heavenly father, in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So why can't we, the church, the body of believers, celebrate each other's relationship with Jesus and how we uniquely live that out? Listen, in God's kingdom... Someone else's win is not your loss. Someone else's win is not your loss or someone else's loss. Someone else's victory is not your loss. Some of you may recently, uh, if you're paying attention to the news, you may have heard this story about a rapper named Kanye West. Anybody familiar with Kanye West? All right, yeah, we got some claps up in the house. Let's go. Let's go. He's recently released an album called Jesus is King. And I'm not here to be an advocate for the album. um, But I will say that I like the message of the album. Because it's the gospel message. It's the gospel message. Um, He is going on to, uh, occasionally on Sunday mornings, he'll travel to different cities and he'll put on worship services uh, that that are are reaching people that normally wouldn't step into churches. Right? And... And here's the thing about Kanye, too. I mean, I just found this out. I had to do some research on him, right? Um, but I just found out that he, didn't re- he got in trouble by people because he didn't release an album that was due to be released last November because God had told him that that album was too explicit. And of all the people that you would think would be the people that are tearing Kanye down, you would think it would be his, his, his friends from back in the day, the people from his past, They'll be making fun of him for 
doing this Jesus thing, right? But you know who it is? It's the Christians. It's the body of believers. It's the body of believers. It's the people that should be looking at him and going, brother, I'm so glad you found Jesus. Like, I'm so glad. I, I should be encouraging you in your identity as a son of God. Not saying some of the most hate-filled and judgmental things like, we'll see if this lasts or not. I don't know if this is even real. Why? Because Kanye has a past where he was, he was singing some things that were offensive to other people. I mean, if you ever saw any of the award shows, you saw some of the crazy things that he did in those award shows. Is it because of his, his past songs, his past albums, his past, his past friendships? I'm sorry, but listen, when I open up these holy scriptures and I read them, I'm pretty sure the blood of Christ covers that past. Because he, he covers my past, covers your past, As the church, as the body of Christ, as the body of believers, we have to stop tearing each other apart. And we have to start celebrating what the King of Kings is doing in each one of our lives and how he is uniquely doing that and using us and our uniqueness in using us to carry out his mission of making disciples. Because here's what I know. If you put that slide up on the screen. Kanye's reaching people that you and I can't. So my my question for us this morning as the Vine Church is part of the church. Who are you going, who are we going to reach this week? Who are we going to reach this week? The band would make their way back up. You see, my prayer for this morning is that we'd recognize that we're all unique and united members of the body of Christ. That means that each one of us have an important role to play in what God is doing inside our church and outside in our community. And it's our combined efforts that allow us to consistently be making disciples. So I've got two challenges for us this morning. I say us. I say us because it's for me too. Us, us, there we go. Uh, here's two, two challenges for us, and it's not an either-or challenge. It's a both challenge this morning. And the first is, is being part of the, when you're a part of the church, be a part of the church while you're at church. And so we've already kind of touched base on this. Like, if, if you are not on a serve team here at Divine, that's, that's it's okay. We don't need you to serve but we do want you to grow and become more like Jesus. And he serves. And so you can go to our website. You can look at the opportunities that we have to serve here. But the second challenge this morning is being a part of the church while you're out in the community. And that can look many, many different ways for many different people. For some of us, it's actually 
praying and asking God what he wants us to do, listening to what God says, and then going to do it. For some of us, it's going and actually praying for people out in the community, right? And then for some of us, it's helping people who need help, but then telling them while we're helping them. It's not because we're good or we're that nice. It's because we have the love of Christ in us, and we want them to know how much Christ loves them. And guys, I, I'm going to say this, and, and no, there's no judgment here, but I used to be this person. That's why I feel like I have a right to say this. For some of us, it's just like simply being nice and smiling and let people know you have the love of Christ inside of you. And then for some of us, it's simply extending an invitation and inviting someone to come sit beside you while you worship your king on a Sunday morning. See, you are, you're made unique by God. You're a unique part of the body of believers. You're a unique part of the church. And your uniqueness matters. Will you use that uniqueness to be a part of bringing God's kingdom of heaven here to earth? In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making who you are. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking the ground, and so I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. So make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever. You want me to be I came in nothing But all you have given me Jesus, bring new work out of me In the crushing In the pressing You are me So
Oh! 